Well, hi there, guys. Thank you for listening to ABC's podcast today. Our prayer as you listen to this podcast is that it would truly be a blessing. Perhaps it may lead you to Christ for the very first time. Or if you know Christ, it'll definitely lead to a deeper commitment to Christ. But in the same breath, what we don't want is for these podcasts to be a replacement for your church. It just can't be. We believe that the gathering of believers, the local church, matters. It matters to you personally, your family, and the community the church is attached to. God's designed us for community with each other. So yes, we pray this podcast is a blessing, an encouragement, a challenge perhaps, definitely an installment moving you closer to Jesus, and we're excited that you're going to listen. But also know that we, it's not a replacement for church. And may God honor your faith as you listen, as you hear Him, and as you obey. Blessings, everyone. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Um, and if you've joined us for the first time, we're just this Easter looking at the cross, obviously, um, deliberately, intentionally this Easter. And that's never a bad thing. If you make the cross the center of your life, you never go far. You won't, you won't drift very far. In fact, we have the pro- opposite problem. We can make the cross a cold thing, a common thing, a small thing, a known thing, right? We wear them, we see them, we say it. But this Easter we're looking at the cross and this Easter we've been looking at the conversations you know, towards that crucifixion, at the crucifixion and after the crucifixion, trusting that as we look at it, God by His Holy Spirit will do something new in our hearts. Because that's what the cross does for us daily. Daily we drink from His grace. Daily we see our grossness and daily we see God's grace for our lives. So that's, that's the vein, that's the disposition we're taking this morning. Um, and we started last week by looking at the mockery of the soldiers leading up to the crucifixion, didn't we? The big show that they put on. Now all they were told to do is go crucify Jesus and they sort of give it a few amps up, call a company of soldiers and they go put on a show with this uh, mock worship, a crown, a robe, a a screaming. Imagine now 300 soldiers screaming, Hail King Jesus, right? We looked at that and we were thinking, what on earth would make such good men do such crazy stuff? And we, we saw, that's why the word is given to us, you are that soldier. That heart is in all of us. That's us. Now, I know it's Palm Sunday, but isn't that a mockery? Because the same people that were praising His name are the same people that said crucify Him. What a mockery. What a mockery. And so, we don't want to be on that side of the line this Easter, not Easter 2021. By God's grace and God's help, we will mitigate the mockery of Christ in our lives. Amen? We'll mitigate this. We believe in the resurrection, the the living, the dying, the resurrected Jesus Christ. We believe this is abundant life. And by His grace, we will not mock that name in our words, in our deeds, in our actions, in our attitudes. All right, but we only got a a few steps last week. We only looked at, at a few. So this morning, we continue with our journey 
on this. This mocking just goes ahead. All right. So now we read from Mark chapter 15, and we're picking it up. And we're just going to go section by section here from verse. Uh, where am I? Here we go. From verse 25. All right. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. The mockery continues, and I, I think we should look at that sign that was put above his head. The sign that was put above his head, Mark gives us an angle, John gives us an angle, Matthew gives us an angle. But if you put all the angles together, all right, that sign, the words were dictated by Pilate. All right, he's the one that said those are the words that will be on the sign above his head. All right, they had no choice. And the full sign would have said, this is Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. And it would have been translated in three different languages. Okay, it would have been in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. But now think about it. Here's the sign on top of this crucified man, king of the Jews. King of the Jews. And if you read chapter 15, you'll see Pilate asked him a few times, Are you the king of the Jews? Okay, you could see the mockery coming out here. Then in verse 9, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? That's still Pilate talking. Verse 12, he says, what should I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? All right. Then the soldiers, they pick up on this word king, because they heard Pilate say it so much, and they make a big thing, all hail the king of the Jews. And this word king now finds itself on a sign above his head. King of the Jews. Now, that is not there with the intention of celebrating, worshipping, magnifying the king of the Jews. Because that was not Pilate's intention, and that was certainly not the soldier's intention. But we can see how God used, this is the power of God, the providence of God uses this evil, okay, for good. Because he is the king of the Jews. Isn't that amazing? He is the king of the Jews. And so unknowingly, Unknowingly, through God uses Pilate and the soldiers. He, he uses the suffering and puts this title above our Savior's head on the cross, which is the icon of our Christian faith for decades. We just sang a song. I don't know how old that song is. I mean, could you even understand the English of it? It was like so old. <laughs> All right? Our faith has got roots way back, way back. And on this crucifixion, if you look carefully, there's a sign on top of his head, the king of the Jews. But it was mockery. It, it wasn't put there with good intentions, positive, affirming intentions. It was used to mock him. But they didn't know God would use that. One commentator said that even putting Jesus between two robbers... Right? Why did they put him in the middle? They put him in the middle so people would interpret, oh, he's the kingpin of this conspiracy, of this 
of this evil. He's the mastermind. He's the head chief of this evil. That's why they put him in the middle. He's the insurrectionist. He's the ringleader. And in a sense, he is. He is the friend of sinners. God used that. God used that. So they mock him with a sign on his head, but it, it, it gets even worse. We read there, verse 29. Here's the next section. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. So we get the picture here that this crucifixion took place, obviously, in a public place, a place where there would be public passing by. Okay? And, and think, think about the depravity of these people's hearts. That you, I don't know who here would take a tour to a crucifixion scene. Would you go? I mean, I don't even go to the dump unless I have to. I don't want to be near death. You don't want to be there. But these people are there. That's, I don't know, that just says something. They want to be around this death and, and see it, you know. And then on top of that, to see three suffering people and, and add insults to them. I mean, they're naked, bleeding, just flesh, you know, gasping for air, can't see, most likely, and they just add insults to them. What, what, kind, of, what kind of human is that? We had uh, one time, the school is operating normal hours. And you remember that guy? This guy jumped the wall. This, this guy jumped the wall and then through the playground, jumped the wall, over the road, into the bush. And then there goes Blue Security and E.T. and all of them jumping through the playground. Now, I'm not naming them because I'm, I'm just saying, give you an idea of the security that pursued him. And they got him. They got him by the train tracks. And as frightening as it was, we wanted to go over there because they were beating him up. And so, as shocking, and we know that this guy's like probably stealing something. He's up to no good running through this neighborhood over the walls, you know. I don't know if he had anything, but that's unacceptable. To hear him crying from being beaten. Do you know what I'm saying? What? So, here's these people looking at this beaten up person and now mocking them. So it's almost like we had a church gathering and now this group of church people are mocking the people getting beaten up. I mean, what kind of depravity is that? It's terrible. The word there is blasphemio. They insulted, they slandered, and they cursed him. And you've got to ask why. You know, and the text tells us why, because they heard, this, this is the guy, this one here, he's the one that went through the temple. He went through the temple cleansing it and saying, you know, destroy it and I'll rebuild it in three days. So, this one, you know, making this false accusation. Ah, oh, friends, as we take these words to heart, we realize that we can also, you know, know what Jesus says. We, we know what Jesus says, but we don't understand. 
We don't understand. And do you, you know what Jesus says, but do you really understand? If you don't understand, you're mocking him. You're mocking him. And why are they doing this? They're doing this. They're saying this. They're, they're demonstrating because it's in their heart. It's, it's coming out of their heart. Their actions reveal the condition of their heart. So maybe us here today, 21st century, out of the dump, out of the smell, out of the, the, you know, the horror of this story of where we're at, at the crucifixion, okay? We're not there, okay? And we wouldn't perhaps see ourselves doing these things, okay? We're above that. We've transcended that. But friends, measure your heart. If you can quote Jesus and you don't understand the words, you're just the same, okay? If you know his words and are not doing them, you are just the same. If you're familiar with him, but are not serving him and obeying him, then you don't understand. It's like I remember one time, <laughs> a guy asked, Pastor, I've got to see you. And he came to see me and he said, I want to give my life to the Lord. I was like, this is great. So we walked through it and sure enough, he gives us Life to the Lord, okay? And he says, okay, now I'm ready for my divorce. I was like, what? That's a mockery. You get what I'm saying? Okay. I think it relates to what we're seeing here. God says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water. Everything he does prospers. So know there are two different kinds of people here. And this Easter, we're going to measure. We're measuring our words. You know this Jesus. Do you know him? You're aware of him. You can quote him. But do you understand him? You're aware of him. You understand him. Are you serving him? Measure. Measure yourself. I think that's what these words ask us to do. Verse 31. It carries on. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. So now we've got a different kind of a bunch. You could sort of, in a sense, understand um, Pilate and the soldiers and the public. You know, they're non-believers. They're non-believers. They're unspiritual. But at the crucifixion, we have a very spiritual bunch. We have a spiritual bunch. A hyper-spiritual bunch. People who know God's law, people who served at the temple or taught at the temple, people who fasted, people who prayed, people who did good works and gave to the poor. Okay, moral, morally, you know, pretty good people. And the text tells us that the mockery continues because they mock them just the same. They mock them in the same way. But I think they take it a step further. They take it a step further, okay, and it's, it's hard to believe, but it's like they, they sound 
pious, but they don't mean it in their heart. How, how do they do that? They, they must understand a lot of things. And here's just a few things. And again, allow this to examine what you understand about this gospel that you've taken to heart. Okay? Let's allow their misunderstandings to correct our understandings or comb them again and dress them again. There's definitely a misunderstanding about spirituality. Okay? The clean, appropriately dressed, well-spoken, knowledgeable, good works. They eat well, they dress well, they know well. They have God's word. They have good things. You know, they do good things. Morally upright. Friends, our faith in Christ has got nothing to do with works. Nothing to do with works. There is a spiritual misunderstanding here. Because they didn't see the Christ. They were of the opinion, my religion, my rightness with God is what I do. That's what makes me right with God. What I do. And their misunderstanding of Jesus makes that very clear. If they understood Jesus, they would know that it is by grace that you are saved. Not by works. So this pious bunch, this religious bunch, this spiritual bunch actually are very confused. And don't know what is true spirituality. Because when they look at Christ and they see His blinding perfection. He had no sin, remember. He was the miracle worker, the wisdom teacher. He was without sin. And when they were confronted with that perfection... It undid them. It undid them. And that's what brought about this. It only exposed what was in their hearts. Because as pious, as religious, as well-dressed and well-spoken and well-mannered and well-moral they were, what does the Scripture tell us? They mocked Him just the same. Just, it's, the hearts are just the same. Spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. They don't even understand the Christ that they're looking at. Because they're looking at this Christ, this Messiah, this King, who in their mind should come down from the cross and make good people's lives better. Right? That's their understanding of King, their Messiah, their Christ. They had no idea that Christ has to remain on the cross because their problem is much deeper than good words or bad words. Their problem is much deeper than bad morals, bad decisions, or bad economy, or foolishness. Their problem is in the heart, and their problem is sin. So they had no idea. There was a misunderstanding of this Christ. They want this Christ to come down and help the good guys, defeat the bad guys, and bring about an empire for themselves. Complete misunderstanding of this Christ. Do you understand this Christ? Is Jesus here to help the good guys? Is Jesus here to help you have a good life? Alone? No. Is Jesus here to, to help you out of your situation and then to be? No. Jesus. He lived, He died, He rose again to save you from your sin. 
to save you from your sin. They have a complete misunderstanding of saving. He saved others, but he can't save himself. They don't know what they're talking about. Yes, okay, Jesus would heal the blind man, feed the, the hungry, heal the deaf. Sure, miracles, miracles. But that wasn't their biggest problem. What is the greatest miracle? The miracle is, as he told the man on the mat, rise and walk, but rejoice that your name is in the book of life. That's what you, that is the greatest miracle. So this pious religious spiritual bunch, they have no idea of spirituality in the first place, no idea of the Christ whom they are cursing and blaspheming. They have no idea of what salvation really means. No idea. And what a temptation. This is not the first time Jesus has been tempted to come down off the cross. And I'm sure he was tempted. I mean, you, any man in that condition at that late, in that, in that state, to be, and, and have the ability to come down. I'm sure it was a temptation. The devil has been at his feet since he was in the wilderness. You've been trying to get him around the cross. <laughs> you know, don't go there. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world, he said. And then that wrestling at Gethsemane, you remember the wrestling at Gethsemane? Get him around the cross. Don't go there. And I think through this religious bunch, come down from the cross and the devil is right there. He's right there. If you can get him off the cross. But he stays on the cross. And it's not the nails, you know. He stays on the cross out of a love for us. He stays. He finishes. He commits and he follows through. Two Corinthians five twenty one. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the miracle. That is the great exchange. Friends, Easter twenty twenty one. Do you understand? This Christ. This is Christ. God made Him, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, to be sin, so that in Him we might have the righteousness of God. This Easter, do you understand Christ? Do you understand what it is to be saved? Know this Christ. Know this salvation and know right side up what is true spirituality. What is true spiritual? When your life is centered at the cross, you are straight. You are straight. Only at the cross is man straight with God and straight with each other. This Easter, this is what Christ offers. Every day He offers this. 
Where have you gone? What are you doing? What are you saying? Has there been a misunderstanding of this Christ and this salvation in your life? Have the Holy Spirit search your heart again about this one. This one that we're celebrating. And this cross that we are rejoicing in. J.D. Jones says, Not all the nails, not all the ropes in Jerusalem could have held Christ there had He wished to come down. What were nails and ropes to the one who could still the tempest with a word? Who had legions of angels at His command? What are nails and ropes? No, it was not the nails and the ropes that held Him there, but His own mighty and sacrificial love. No one took His life from Him. He laid it down of Himself. And He laid it down because that was the only way of gaining redemption for the world. So as we look at this cross, understanding Christ, understanding salvation, understanding true spirituality, but what we also see when we look at the cross is how gross sin is. How gross sin is. It is not a small thing because it was sin that put Him there. And that's what sin is. It is sin that has fractured the Godhead. It is sin that when you and I see Jesus one day, those holes will still be in His hands. Sin did that for eternity. So this Easter, let's get real. Let's get real. We understand this one. We know this one. We know what true spirituality is. And we know it because we first understand how... How depraved our hearts are. That, that's what these soldiers are showing us. That's what Pilate is, so, is showing us. That's what this religious group is showing us. That's what God is showing you and I. Friends, let's get real with ourselves. And don't be afraid to get real with yourself daily. And see your need of the Savior hourly. Hourly. Do you see it? It is a terrible place. No one wants to go there, but we go there. We go there because there's life there. There's life. We look at the sin, we look at the fracture, we look at the dismay, we look at the problems, we look at the consequences, we, we, we deal with it. We face it square on. We reckon with it. Because we know when we get honest with our depravity, Jesus comes to life. Jesus, His mercies come new. Just like you did the first day you came to know Christ. So let's not misunderstand even faith. Even faith. There's definitely a misunderstanding of, of how faith works because they say, the spiritual bunch say to Him, well, you come down. You know, then we'll believe. There's a lot of that. Are you, are you waiting for Jesus to do something before you believe? Are you waiting for Him to provide something or prove something or change something before you believe? Friend, that, that's a mockery. 
That's a mockery. Hebrews 11.6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So it's faith. How do we get faith? It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2. It's a, it's a gift from God. So there's also a misunderstanding of faith by these guys. Now initially, the two people on his left and his right is where the story takes us. Those crucified, this is at the end of verse 32. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So Jesus is getting it in 4D, you could say. From the devil, from the floor, from the left, and from the right. But as we read the other Gospels and put the whole story together, we realize, although initially they are mocking him, the one, the one is made right. He is given faith. And he says, and I quote Luke 23, verse 39, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. There's only this one who goes right side up. He sees Christ. He sees salvation. He sees true spirituality, he gets faith, and he gets reward. He gets, Amen. by the grace of God, by the, that mockery is turned into hope. And that's where we end this morning's meditation, in hope. We've been bludgeoned, our hearts have been pierced and cut and well, I hope so. We see them, we see us. We're here now, half an hour from now, we're cursing each other. That this is our hearts, we, we see this. But also see this, that God, God is eager, eager to love and to save and to give faith. To the worst of sinners. To the worst of sinners. To the one who had lived his whole life of probably violence, greed, malice, abuse. God gave grace. God gave grace. And that is hope for every one of us that we can likewise see that grace, have that grace. So this Easter, as we conclude, is it going to be lip service? Is it going to be lip service? Or is this going to be real? Is it going to change? Is this Easter going to change your life going forward? Or is it just going to do the same thing? 
That's the question this text brings to our hearts today. Are we just going to say the right things, go through the motion, quote Jesus, no faith, no faith. Are we going to continue with this misunderstanding of spirituality? Or if I just do this and say this and be there and attend that and, you know, do that, I'm good with God. <laughs> no, friends. Or are you going to reckon with Christ and say, you know, Lord, I, I repent of that. I put my faith in you alone. You alone will save me. I, I don't have it. I will never have it. I couldn't add to your work. What a mockery. That I was going to plan to get into heaven and say, God, look what I did. Thank you, Jesus. I'll take that too. What a mockery. No, Lord, I see it now. Your work alone is sufficient to save me alone because my problem is only a God-found solution. No man can fix that remedy but God. And I put my faith in that. In that. Now, this Easter, we're going to understand Christ well. Christ, ah, oh, He's great. He's the great wisdom teacher. He's the great miracle worker. He is the Son of God. He's the Savior. He's changed my life. He helped me out. He answered my prayer. He restored this. Amen? He does all these great things. But friends, this Christ is the one who saves you from sin. That's the greatest miracle. That's the greatest miracle. And we understand that this, Christmas, this Easter. And we also understand the cross. Family of God, Jesus did not get off that cross. He didn't get off. He was tempted. And I know you're tempted to get off your cross. This Easter, you get back on your cross. Okay? We stay on our cross. We all have a cross. And it's painful, and it's costly, it's expensive. It hurts. It's agony. And maybe you're getting it in 4D. You're getting it from the bottom. You're getting it from the left. You're getting it from the right. And you, the devil is saying, come, there's a way out of this. This Easter, you remain on the cross. You remain on the cross. Because we know, we know, friends, Ephesians 2 tells us, Though he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and took on the form of a servant and even death on a cross, right? God exalted him to the right hand of the Father where every authority is under his feet. That is no losing scheme. That is the wisest, most loving, safest place you could be is on the cross. And in the crucible of the suffering, misunderstanding, agony, misery, cost, loss, Friends, sacrifice. What have we been saying through Romans 12? In view of God's mercy. All those things. It's not easy. But it is the best place to be. And we rejoice in that. Because in that is life. Is life. So stay on that cross. I want to close with a, a quote from... Ah, the man that wrote Amazing Grace. Chuck, what was his name? Thank you. Newton. Let's just close our eyes and listen to this poem. In evil long I took delight 
unawed by shame or fear. Till a new object struck my sight and stopped my wild career. I saw one hanging on a tree in agonies and blood who'd fixed his languid eyes on me. As near his cross I stood, sure never till my latest breath can I forget that look. It seemed to change me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me deep in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. Alas, I knew not what I did. But now my tears are vain. Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I the Lord have slain. A second look he gave, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I die that thou mayst live. Thus, while his death my sin displays in all its blackest hue, such is the mystery of grace. It seals my pardon too. With pleasing grief and mourning joy, my spirit now is filled, that I should such a life destroy, yet live by him I killed. Father God, we come to you this morning, having the word of God mirror to us who we really are, but also who you really are. Mirroring to us what is true faith, true spirituality, true salvation. What is the true miracle of Christ? And in that reflection, Lord, we acknowledge our gross shortcomings. We acknowledge our ignorance. We acknowledge our false pretenses, our mockery, our half-heartedness. All in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge that, Lord. But Lord, as we focus on you this Easter, we would pray, as you did before, as you are doing now, and as you still do, to all who call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. We would pray, God, that you would redeem, renew, and revive our hearts to you. Having come to know the true author and perfecter of our faith. I would pray, Lord God, your Holy Spirit, do a new work in all the hearts here present. Change families' disposition to Jesus. Change communities' disposition to Jesus. Change a nation's disposition to Jesus. Wash us. We would pray, Lord, that our worship would be authentic. We would pray, Lord, that our worship would be real, not just on Sundays, but every day having been washed by the power of the blood. Forgive us for our pride, Lord. And I would pray, Lord, if anyone be listening this morning, they would not let their pride keep them from being saved. That they would humble themselves and accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior today. I would pray for those hearts who keep harming their testimony for Christ, keep grieving the Holy Spirit. Help their pride, Lord. 
Help them to humble themselves and to return to the cross and be reconciled to God. Point them forward. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this last song. It's just a song of, of encouragement and grace. And take this time just to seal your heart for the Lord this Easter. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to our ABC podcast today. If you'd like to know more about ABC, then please check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, or our website. We also have resources we'd like to share freely to everyone uh, through Right Now Media. We have a channel with them, and we'd love to share you that link. Just email us on totibaptists at gmail.com or WhatsApp us directly on 079-033-228 and we'll get you in touch with those links and resources. If you have a prayer request or an item of praise or a question, then also feel free to get in touch with us via those links. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and give you His peace. Thank you.